hello and welcome to Addiction Makes 3, the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. And today we are honored to have the lovely Andy here with us. And I am so excited to have this conversation. Um, Andy and I met, I think, a few years ago in this lovely corner of the internet. So I cannot wait to have this conversation. Hello, hello. This is part two of our amazing conversation with Andy. So I cannot wait to get into it. And then you realize this doesn't serve me to try and change your path. It is hard. Yeah. Well, and I think for him too, his whole identity was tied up in the wine industry. So, you know, I I remember saying to him at one stage, um, he he just started a new job and it was his dream job. He was seven months into this job and it was a French family wine business. It was just like everything he'd wanted to do. And I remember saying to him, if you had a broken leg right now, you'd check yourself into hospital and get that broken leg fixed. This is not any different. And um, he's like, oh, you know, I just, I need a couple of weeks to get this tied up and this tied up. And and I can imagine, you know, the pressure. It's a new job. He was loving the job. He'd, he'd just been flown all around Europe meeting all the new, meeting all the staff and, you know, everything to do with the wine industry was intertwined. It was, you know, it was his status, it was his friendship circle, it was mm. everything. Um, and he had tasks to tick off. And, um, yeah, and anyway, it ended up being that the choice was taken away from him and he had to go into rehab and had to send an email to his employer from the rehab hospital to say, sorry, I'm not coming in, and had to acknowledge that working in the wine industry was never going to work, which was a massive, massive thing. And, um, yeah, I think until that point it was always, you know, he had to make that choice. So I'm glad he did. Got there in the end. (laughs) And that's it, right? Got there in the end. And that is so courageous when, you know, it is your work as well. Yeah. And tied up in your identity and your career, the you know, what you're hoping and you know, you know, the glamour of it all and the travel and the lovely, interesting people that you meet along the way. Yeah. So hard. So after that, um he for a period of time started working in the landscape gardening, which, you know, he went back to the earth. And I think that was the original reason he went into the wine industry was because he loved the agricultural side of things. And so he started landscaping, earning a, a pittance, you know, compared to what he had, but it was the building back up of, mm. of Jason. And, yeah, it was, I think, 12 months or so of him doing that and the whole the ego was stripped away and he worked through what he had to work through and, yeah, well, day by day. Oh, absolutely. And, like, I love how you just said 12 months. Mm. right this is not a quick fix it is not overnight it is not a week or a month this is Mm. it is not only the passage of time that is going to you know make us okay it is being intentional and doing the work 
and doing what you need to do over time, that consistency. Um, So I think that's really beautiful to share for realistic expectations. Yeah. How has the experience of navigating addiction in your marriage influenced your own mental and emotional well-being? Well, I guess the um, most important thing is that I learnt I had to look after myself and my own well-being before I could look after anyone else. And I know during the really heavy periods that was a really difficult thing. Um, but I liken the analogy to the oxygen mask on a plane. Mm-hmm. If you, um, you've got to fit your own before you help that of others. And, yeah, as I said I mean, it's very easy, I think, for me to sit here having my husband five years sober. I don't know what life would look like if he was still drinking um, or if he had a slip-up in the future. I mean, I hope I never find that out. But, yeah, it's easy for me to talk about in hindsight. Mm. But if I could give myself advice back then, it would be just to, yeah, really look after yourself and you know if my mental health wasn't intact then the family would have fallen apart so it's a really important thing yeah and I was going to ask you that so that's amazing and I think it is so true and it sounds counterintuitive because I know we can think if we just focus on them all of their doings and what's going on with them, it'll be okay. Mm. But in fact, that is not it because our we might not be aware, but our well-being and our emotional state is declining at a rate of not. So if we can, like you said, and I say it all the time, put on your oxygen mask mm. because you are literally no good to anyone else if you cannot breathe. Yeah, It can feel like addiction is, just takes your breath away. Yeah. And I think, you know, how you do that's obviously different for everyone. Um, For me, it was having a greater understanding of what Jason was going through. So it was really important to me to read um, because it obviously doesn't make any sense at the time. You think, well, how can they be choosing this substance over me? They mustn't love me. Um, None of it makes sense. And I think by reading and doing as much research as I could, that allowed me to make sense of it a little bit more. Um, for me, it was also talking to other people. I spoke to a psychologist and thankfully, you know, I just had a, I had family and friends that I was able to talk to and um, walking in nature. Find your thing. Yeah. You know, for you and it's probably no one thing it is things all working together but finding your people taking care of yourself putting on your oxygen mask are all the things that help you for yourself but then you for your loved one you if you've got other dependents and it's taking care of yourself if you had a time machine and you could go back in time, is there anything that you think, I wish I would have done that differently or I wish I would have done that sooner? Is there anything that sticks out that you think, I would like to change that? 
You know, I don't think so. Again, it's easy for me to sit here because Jason's sober. Um, But like I said before, with the trialling certain things, so trialling if I behave this way and trialling if I behave that way, I really don't know what would make what would have made a difference. I, for me, thankfully, the end result is that I've got a fit, well, healthy husband who you know is alive, mm-hmm. and you know who I have a great relationship with, who's a great father, and you know that's that's the result that you want. Yeah, there's always hope. As long as someone is living and breathing, you know there is always hope, mm. and Part of my purpose here is to really emphasize that it's not all bad. Mm. In light of that, amidst the difficulties of addiction, can you recall any moments of laughter and joy that you shared with Jason along the way? (laughs) It's a funny one because I can't particularly remember funny moments. I think it's when you think back at that time, you know, it's so clouded by, you know, the other stuff. But what I can say is that the experience of going through this with my husband has made life so much richer. Mm. I feel like I have so much more compassion for other people. Um, I have so much more gratitude. The idea that my story can help someone else is really important. And I remember reaching out to someone when I was going through it and I can't tell you how that support made me feel. So, yeah, I just feel that um, while I can't remember a funny moment, I I would like to have not had to go through all that, if I'm honest, but in the same breath it has made our world, I mean, we've made a, a business from our store well not our story but we have created a drinks business that's non-alcoholic that gives people that um you know ritual and celebration of a beautiful adult drink I like to think of that as sharing a message in a bottle you know sharing our story and helping others is just so rewarding yeah and that's so beautiful and I love your drinks thank Um, you I love them and I recommend your drinks at any opportunity when I'm at an event (laughs) oh thank you um they're tasty beautiful gorgeous drinks and they're pretty they're pretty yes you can make them very pretty I guess that was just the thing is that it's we're still adults we still want to have you know for us it was the wine industry and um having that sophisticated drink that paired with food that didn't overpower the flavors you know, that was really important. And that was a really important part of Jason's wellness journey as well. So again, don't want this to be a plug, but H stands for every time choose health. And so that was really important in in him getting well and having something to focus on too. Yeah. And I think as well to that point, when someone is trying to navigate a recovery from alcohol or drink less or make different choices, when you do go out in a social situation and it's like, oh, my options are more sparkling water or I can have juice or Coke. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like how much juice, Coca-Cola, sparkling water can an adult actually drink? I'm always just filled with joy when I go out socializing as an adult and they have nice, delicious, non-alcoholic adult 
type options on the menu that I'm like, oh, that is like pretty and it's got nice flavors to it. And like you said, not overpowering. It's like, yes, changes are happening. They are. Yeah, it's a positive thing. It is. And it's amazing. And I think what I love about your drinks as well is that they're not trying to be alcohol. Yeah. That's, I think, important for a lot of people. That was really important. Obviously for us, we didn't, you know, didn't want it to be triggering to Jason, but we also want to challenge that idea that adult drinks have to look and smell and taste like alcohol to be, you know, grown up drinks. I think that's a perspective shift that we really want to push that it it doesn't have to be that way. You can still have a fancy glass and you can put a nice garnish in if you want to, but um or you can drink out of the can or bottle and just enjoy it. That is what I love as well with your drinks, taking them to a barbecue or a dinner party and it felt like a nice drink to take. Yeah. As opposed to another bottle of sparkling water. And you actually inspired me. The glass I'm drinking out of now is like, I need some fancy glasses like Andy has. I love that. I think you always drink out of fancy glasses. It, it makes a difference. And like you said, in your journey of giving up alcohol as well, I do still have the occasional drink, but also like you, I was completely repulsed and, ugh, you know, alcohol is gross. I do have the occasional drink now, but not not often. No judgment to anyone who does. Um, it's not about that. It's just about making choices for yourself. But often at the end of the day, I'm like, I need a nice drink. I've, I've drunk enough water for the day. I need something nice. So it's like going for your nice etch drink, putting a bit of nice fruit in it out of your nice fancy glass. And it just feels nice. That's what they're there for. That's what they're there for. And I think, you know, you and I having this conversation and you you know, with your lovely drinks and then me taking my itch drinks or my non-alcoholic drinks, it like opens the conversation. Mm. Just when you were talking about turning up to an event or, you know, barbecue, I remember it was the first Christmas Jason was sober and, yeah, and standing around with this bottle of water and being from the wine industry, people just expected us to have a wine glass in our hand and it just, yeah, I think you can't underestimate that feeling of, you know, even if I've got a wine glass in my hand with with etch in it, like you just, no one notices. Mm. Whereas if you're standing there with a bottle of water, you just feel like, yeah, left out basically. So it's all about, you know, social inclusion and, and making you feel like you're part of the party. Absolutely. And I think when you've walked this path, you are very cognizant. And maybe yes. no one is actually looking at you, but you feel like all eyes are on you. And what you're talking about going to that first event, you know, Christmas event, and it is nerve wracking mm. when you're putting yourself and your loved one in a situation where you know there's going to be a lot of alcohol and it's you used to play that way and now you don't. Mm. There's a different dance. It is hard. And so I think in those early days, being unapologetic and doing the right thing for yourself yeah or not going or as not well going. yeah yeah those were um you know that was really important particularly for Jason was just to no it's not I don't feel safe I'm not going to go and I think that's really important as well tuning into that absolutely and I think from our perspective it's again leading with compassion and 
sometimes it can be disappointing to miss out on things but what's more important to you Mm, yeah yeah I always prioritize Jason's recovery over all else because I knew if he didn't have his sobriety he didn't have anything and so you know in the early days he was out attending meetings seven days a week sometimes it is busy recovery is busy and I was so grateful every time he went um and I know I could have had a different perspective and been um I know a friend of mine her husband was um not so happy when she was going because he had to deal with the kids and and whatever and I get that as well but yeah I just felt that if Jason didn't feel right going to an event, then, you know, either I went without him or we didn't go. So, yeah, sobriety was very important to our survival as a family. Absolutely. And just, I think, bringing more intentional choices to what you were choosing. Yeah. You know, and I think as well, I used to go to some things by myself. And initially it was felt devastating to be going to something by yourself but after a while it was okay yeah you know it was whatever meaning you put on it I was just gonna say that yeah absolutely I think Jason and I are quite independent with our friendships and things like that so yeah if you're really wanting that person with you and they're not with you I can imagine that would be challenging but it's um yeah I think just again reflecting back I think for me it was I was too scared to leave him on his own back then. So I didn't want to leave him on his own. So I probably would stay with him if he didn't go. Yeah. Um, but this is just reflects how every everyone's journey is so different, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think, you know, doing the right thing for you. And when we get to a place when we have come through the other side ourselves, regardless of if our loved ones have or not, that we're making choices. Yeah that we're being intentional about those choices. And like you said, staying at home. And I know some people, I used to do this myself, stay at home so they wouldn't drink when they weren't in recovery, you know. And we can, if I stay at home, maybe they will not drink as much or they won't do the things if I stay at home and watch them. Yeah. And it's like that's not (laughs) it either. Um, But living your life wholeheartedly, doing the right thing for you and just asking yourself, what am I thinking about this and does this serve me? What can be hard in this as well, even in recovery, I think it's really important to be realistic about what recovery looks like. Like you said, Jason was going to meetings every night. It is busy. It's still a lot, right? There's still, and that's what I think is not as well accepted acknowledged understood it feels in a way like nothing has changed for you and at a kind of a high level of your loved one isn't present an act of addiction and then in recovery they're still very busy mm. but and for better reasons you know yeah. I, again I remember thinking it was always like well when he gets sober I'll get this time with him and then and then when he was getting so I'm like when he you know when is it ever my turn and I think that's you know that's a really important lesson is we've got to fill our own cups we've got to make 
we're we're okay and just to not always rely on the other person to make us feel better oh and that just gives me shivers because it is not a destination no do not (laughs) wait do not wait for a time you have to like you just said there so beautifully create that for yourself Mm. so it's not the destination of sobriety the destination of recovery it is oh things will be good when Mm. this happens or I'll be able to relax when they've got two years under their belt or whatever it is you're telling yourself it is create it now Whatever is possible for you now, create that for yourself now. God, I wish I had you when I was going through this, Amanda. <laughs> it's like don't wait because that's the saddest thing which breaks my heart that I see a lot of is people putting their lives on hold. Mm. I did the same. I did the same. Life is on hold because we're waiting for someone to do something. Yeah, be a certain way and even like you said in recovery it's still not easy no so not much yeah it's very much a pattern isn't it to yeah to wait and and move the goalposts every time and um yeah now you've got to do whatever you need in in that moment and realizing it is quite a rude awakening when you realize it's actually an inside job for yourself when you've been so laser focused shall we say on somebody else and what they're up to and it's like hang on a sec I've got some things to do myself you know don't put it on hold don't put your life on hold and we're given one life Mm. it's not a dress rehearsal it's not a practice run we can't come back and do it again like we're given one life yeah so how can we make the most of it I have some slightly fun questions to ask. What is Andy's go-to song that never fails to lift your spirits? Oh, well, it could be something from Beyonce or something George Michael. Oh, yes. You know what? I am not ashamed to say that occasionally when I'm alone in the car and the windows are up, I'll Sing a little bit of Barbara Streisand. Love it. I love a ballad. I've got an actual playlist in my car also. That is um, a love song. Have you listened to (laughs) Enough is Enough? No. Go and listen to it. It starts off really slow and it's just the best song to just belt out. Yeah. But, yeah, I have to be alone because my teenagers would give me sideways glances if I was in the car with them singing Uh. that. Um, you know, and that is the best therapy, singing alone, completely out loud in your car because no one else can hear is the best medicine. Yeah. Is there a mantra or phrase that you find yourself repeating to stay positive and focused? Um, I don't know if I knew this one back then, but it, my, my mantra at the moment is, oh God, I've just forgotten it. What is it? Uh, change comes on the other side of discomfort. Growth. Growth comes on the other t- side of discomfort. And I don't know, I've Googled it. I think it might be my own quote. <laughs> I can't I'm going to put it. it on the Instagram as quoted by Andy. <laughs> yeah, quoted by me. And I think that's a really, I use that a lot, you know, when I was trying to do some cold water swimming recently. It was 
get in the water because the growth comes once you put yourself in the discomfort. The other one I love is the Glennon Doyle quote of I can do hard things. Mm. That's a beauty. That is a beauty. And truly the growth and the discomfort. Growth does not happen when you're comfortable. No. Damn it. Damn it. It's so (laughs) annoying, but it is always amazing on the other side. You and I and other people in this situation that have done a lot of growth, I wouldn't trade it in. No. I would not trade this in. And sometimes I feel like, God, we're just really out of our comfort zone all week this week. It's been a, (laughs) let's go back into the comfort zone for the weekend. But you know, like it is amazing what is ha- what can happen if you can put yourself in a bit of discomfort for the goodness on the other side. Yeah. Is there anything that you think, wow, I'm so particularly proud of myself? It would probably be just holding my family together and supporting my children and proud of myself, really, if I'm honest. Just yeah. surviving. <laughs> and thriving. You say and thriving, but I'm not surviving like, back in the in the back in the day, but thriving now. Thriving now. Living. Yeah. Living. Um, and I always say, you know, survival mode is not a long term solution. No. We cannot live there. Um, no. completely not sustainable. And I think as particularly as women, we don't give ourselves enough credit for the amazing things we have done. And I think to really acknowledge that was great. Yeah. I'm so proud of myself. It feels a little bit, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Contract? Yeah, like we're trying, we're we're asking for praise. Yeah. um, But I think we deserve it. We deserve it. And as women lifting up other women in the situation because we truly know how hard it is and to give women who are in the trenches hope yeah that if they are in that survival minute to minute day to day that they can come through it yeah irrespective of you know what their loved one does yeah and I'm sending my love to anyone who is in the trenches right now because it's it's not a fun place to be and I hope you can get to the other side because yeah life doesn't have to always be like that and yeah and I think when you're in the trenches it can feel unimaginable Mm. you can't imagine not being there you can't imagine life being good and I would say to that you don't have to have it all worked out if someone had have said to me back then this is what your life's going to look like now I would never have believed them you know the idea yeah you're so swamped with what life looks like at the time and I remember saying to a friend who um, was 10 years sober I remember saying to her do you think Jason's going to get it will you know will he get through this will we be okay and she couldn't tell me the answer but I just what we have now I would never uh, yeah I would never have expected so and stuff on the side of the rainbow truly and self-created yeah it was no one outside of you that has created this life. You created it yourself. Yeah. And that is why you need to be giving yourself a big pat on the back on a very regular basis because you created this life yourself, nobody else. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> you know, and I think that this needs to be more, a bit louder for those in the back. You know, you created this life. 
if you're in the trenches. And this is the sucky thing. This sucks because it isn't necessarily your behavior, actions, struggles that got you here. But it is 100% going to be you that gets you out and on the other side living life. Yeah. Step by step, day by day, and just small baby steps. As well. Absolutely. And I want to say it won't always be day by day. Might be minute by minute. Yeah. Might be minute by minute. You will get to a point in life where it's like you're not doing the survival day to day thing. And it's just life is just being lived. Mm. And I think what you said before about hoping, you hope you don't have to navigate any reoccurrences or whatever in the future. Mm. But I know that you know that you will handle it. Mm. You know, it's not the catastrophe that we thought it was back in the thick of it. Yeah. You know, you've shown to yourself you can handle anything. And whilst we aren't like waiting for something crap to happen, that if something comes up and it might not even be addiction and this is the one thing that I am grateful for I know if anything crap comes up in my life now I can handle it yeah I know it's almost like by saying it we're not asking for it to happen please not asking for it to happen and that's but I think on the other side of that coin you know that phase you go in or when you're early stages of recovery and you're counting the days and they're counting the days and you count the weeks and the months and all you're like there's a point of breath holding you're waiting for the shoe to drop you're like mm. when is this good time going to end is it going to end today is it this week is it now we're Christmas it's the anticipation of a shit show but I think once you get through that you're just just living life yeah I had this moment the other day when um, Jason just came back from a work trip up to Darwin and it didn't cross my mind for one minute to ring and make sure there was no mini bar in mm. the room. It, it, it amazed me that it didn't cross my mind. And he, he said to me, you know, he, he mentioned it to me afterwards and just said how it didn't phase him at all. And I just, what I loved was the fact that my mind didn't even go there. And like you say, so one day, life just becomes normal again and the trust comes back, um, hopefully for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> that was certainly the case for me was that it wasn't an immediate thing. It was a gradual learning to trust again and it was watching his actions, not just his words. And, yeah, it's a wonderful feeling not living in that state of constant fear and worry. Even more importantly is that rebuilding that trust in yourself. Mm. to know like we said earlier on in the conversation that you you know we don't trust ourselves and is it medication are they tired because even though strong morals people lie because it is hard and there is shame and all the rest of it but learning to trust yourself again that's absolutely the number one takeout from the whole experience for me is that my intuition always knew and you can push it aside you can hope it's not true but it's I'd like to say it's always right and I think that's one really big takeout is just to trust your intuition if it's telling you something and to tune into your values and what what's important to you absolutely and addiction does kind of 
take the wind out of our sails there um, with all the lies and the gaslighting and even what we we're talking about earlier we gaslight ourselves well does and, you know when Jason came to you but was it a problem you know we're like mm-hmm. gaslighting ourselves along the way and we want it to be the medication or we want that to just be because they're tired they've had a big week and everyone needs to have a early night whatever it is so we gaslight ourselves because we don't want to it to be true so I think yep. it is a beautiful thing when we can lean back into the intuition. We don't need the evidence. We don't need our bottles lined up or whatever it is. We just know what we know. And then yep. we proceed accordingly, um, which I think is beautiful. <laughs> Last but not least, if you had a theme song for your experience, what would it be and why? Well, I'm not sure if it's a theme song. Sorry, I'm not answering your questions. All I love it. Um, <laughs> I'm not answering that question, I'll answer a different one. It's my love song to myself. And it's um, called As by George Michael and Mary J. Blige. Do you know it? No, but I'm going to play it after this. No. Anyway, (laughs) um, yeah, I I remember someone asking me what my favourite song was a while ago and I sat down and I listened to the words and I was like, oh, and then I realised that it's, yeah, it's about loving yourself and, like we said, listening to trusting yourself and listening to your instinct and intuition and that's what's going to get you through because yeah. you're the only person that's um, always with you. Yeah, you are your longest relationship and your greatest love. Yeah, um, absolutely. That is beautiful. I we were talking about earlier about the love song ballads. I went through a big, tragic love song era. Mm-hmm. in addiction and I remember listening to Bridge Over Troubled Waters <laughs> a bit of Simon and I would I was like let me be your bridge you know <laughs> I will be your bridge over the troubled waters let me be your bridge and then now I sing it like I am my own damn bridge <laughs> yeah yeah I'm my okay. bridge over my troubled waters and it's not about being hyper independent and no one can lean in and help me but I will be my bridge um, yeah. I'm not someone else's bridge, so yeah, I had a big, um, <laughs> I had a love a love song era that was like my addiction, you know, in the weeds. Uh, love a love a love love a love song. Oh, yeah, <laughs> um, and so that has been great. It has been so lovely to speak with you, Andy. Thank you so much for being uncomfortable and coming on here and talking about your story I know it is just going to be immensely helpful to others that are in the weeds or in the thick of it struggling to give them hope as to what's possible for their lives and thank you so much thank you for having me sending out loads and loads of love to everyone listening thanks Andy So thank you for joining me here at Addiction Makes 3, the podcast. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you found this to be helpful or insightful, I would sincerely appreciate if you could rate and review the podcast as it helps others find it. If you would like to get in touch with me with thoughts, feedback or queries, you can send me an email. And if you would like to know more about working with me, details can be found in the show notes too. So thanks for staying kind and I will speak to you soon.